Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. To convince a child to keep walking, try switching roles with them. Let the child play the role of the parent. They'll immediately do what you want them to do. You are raising in your home people that the Bible is very clear about their status. They need to be converted. Not just a conformity of their behavior. They need a transforming encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate priority. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. insane one of the things we can celebrate today is how young people have so many more options to consider than simply whether they feel like a boy or a girl sorry cool and the gang we're not gonna celebrate that Oy, this is wretched radio as the world continues to reveal what was already there you say wait a second the opener just said the world's turning insane no The world already has a darkened mind. We're just seeing it expressed as societal pressure, peer pressure, shame, as all of those old-fashioned ideals abate, or as God's restraining hand are lifted from a society, you will see the hearts of men displayed publicly. It was always there. It was merely the grace of God that kept the lid on it. Well, the lid is being removed as Christianity is rejected. And we are seeing the depravity of man. And it is not yet in technicolor, but we're getting close. It's not entirely as awful as it could be, but we're getting there. And increasingly, we will see it. I hold in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers a reminder that we are here for a reason. Do you know salt is not effective if it does not come into contact with something. Therefore, you and I, we are supposed to know sinners because God has his sheep out there. Please note, reminder, as Justin Peters reminded us a couple of weeks ago at Alpharetta Bible Church, uh, the born-again Christians were never goats. They were just sheep who were lost. That was, if, you're, if you're a believer, you are always a sheep. You just didn't recognize the shepherd's voice. And one day he made you hear it and recognize it and love it. And he brought you to himself. People who are never saved, they're the goats. But you don't get transformed from goat into sheep. You are just a lost, stray little sheep. And we need to go out and be in the world to brush up against those sheep, to be salty, to be light so that they will hear the shepherd's voice. That means we're in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. That means we reject cloisters. We're not going to move to Montana with potable goods, courtesy of Glenn Beck or Jim Baker. Hey, there's a pair. We're not going to do that. We're going to live in this world, recognizing what's really going on. It's not just insanity. It is the the fruit of an unregenerated mind. Kamala Harris announces a $285 million budget for mental health in schools. Cool. So the very system that causes people to feel so awful are going to be the very people inside of the very same system that somehow help them. Sorry, call me skeptical, but I don't think that's going to happen. I was thinking on occasion it happens. I was thinking about the rate of anxiety and depression, stressed out, whatever moniker you want to slap on it. And recognizing that emotions 
are so difficult to understand, aren't they? I mean, we've got words, descriptors that give us general categories, but I'm talking about identifying the feelings in ourselves. What is it? Are you feeling sad? Are you blue? Are you depressed? Are you anxious? Are you triggered? Are you stressed? Are you just exhausted? Are you just maybe having a bunch of negative thoughts? You go, well, it's kind of, see, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what is going on in our hearts. And I think these days, a lot of times people, they, they use the term, I'm depressed. But I can't help but wonder if these people are feeling something else. They're feeling what Christian was weighed down by in Pilgrim's Progress, the weight of their sin and an unclean conscience and the sense of guilt and shame that hovers around them like a dark cloud surrounds Linus. Was it Linus? Pigpen. Linus was the guy who did Luke chapter two. Like Pigpen, they've got it swirling around them and they feel the weight of that, they don't call it a burden of sin. They don't realize that it is a yoke that is weighing them down. Instead, they just say, I'm just depressed. And so I wonder if the reason that we're seeing so much sadness these days is simply because people aren't saved. This is from News Observer. We are witnessing an alarming rate, said a social worker. An alarming rate of students presenting with various mental health issues, including high rates of depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. What do they typically do? They bring in mental health professionals who write a script because that's all they got. They got nothing. Dream interpretation? Projecting cognitive behavioral therapy. Put a rubber bander on your wrist and snap it when you're feeling that way. That's what they got. And it doesn't help. They believe schools need more mental health professionals to provide safe and healthy outlets for students to discuss their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. No, they need more than that. Talking, it is somewhat beneficial, but it is not entirely cathartic. It's not going to do it for you. You might just get it off of your chest. Doesn't fix the problem, does it? They will give our youth an opportunity to acquire conflict resolution and coping skills which are lacking with our children and teens. Quote, many of our youth don't seem to connect death by gun violence and permanency. What? They're not processing the long-term implications of taking someone else's life. Um, they're not? I think that's one of those things that should be kind of baked into the conscience. You don't kill somebody. And I got to tell you, did you see? It's not just because it was Minnesota, my home state. It was because of the faces of the three men who were killed by a total thug. You can use that word. Okay, what, 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 what word better describes somebody who opens fire and kills police officers? Two of them, I think, were like 26 and 27 years old. I looked at their, their picture. Honestly, they don't even shave. They pluck a whisker and they're done for the month. These are fresh-faced kids and they were mowed down. I got to tell you. When is our society, I don't know that they are, but when is our society going to go enough? We are going to stop living like animals, which is our world's desire to make you brought down to the level of animal. We see it all the time. In fact, got some of those stories right here. 
When are we going to just say as a culture, we're done living like animals. We're, we're done with the indiscriminate murder of people. We're done with this whole deconstruction business. Enough of this. When are we going to get serious about the death penalty? Now, I know the guy who shot those officers was killed. But if he hadn't been, they would have been years in the justices. Years! And then he would have spent the rest of his years in a prison, air-conditioned, likely, with computers provided for free and cell phones. That's not justice. There are... What was, what was, I, I read a story about some creeper. Oh, I know, I know what it was. Hold on, I might have it right here. Uh, in, ah, uh, there's a state in America and they're deciding to uh, have the death penalty for people who target children under the age of 12. And you know what I mean by targeting. And they want to give them the death penalty. And I'm like, good, excellent, love it. Bring it on. When are we going to start having a higher view of human beings? I've got it right here. Idaho passes bill allowing death penalty for child sex offenders of victims under 12. It passed. Wow. 57 to 11. The fellow who led the charge. There's a deep, dark, dark side in our culture. And it's our job to protect the children. That is the government's job indeed. There are times when things are so wicked that retribution is appropriate. Well, that should always be justice. That's what justice is. It is retribution. And I got to tell you, I, I, I think the death penalty, biblically, we are given an example and a model can apply to a whole lot more than just somebody who shoots police officers. We're long overdue. Hey, Kua, where are, where are children finding help for their mental health issues? Looks like they're going to AI therapist bots. Cool. That ought to help absolutely nobody. That they've got computers counseling kids. And guess what? There's lots of them. What was the other thing that I saw? Um, that there are now people, you can see them in public, where they're, they're carrying around, they're taking their robot girlfriend with them because they don't want to be alone when they're out of the house and away from their girlfriend slash computer. We can get really angry. And frankly, sometimes I think a little righteous indignation is more than appropriate. But we've got to see this as an opportunity. The world is hurting and we don't want to turn Jesus into a therapeutic Jesus any more than he gets us, turns him into a social justice Jesus. We don't want to gumby Jesus to make him take care of the whims and the needs and the failures and the shortcomings and the hurts of a fallen world. No, he's Savior Jesus. He's King Jesus, but he does offer all of these benefits, including a transformed mind. The world, it is hurting. It's getting darker and darker. And Kamala and her $285 million ain't going to get the job done. This is Wretched Radio. 
well, in a world that is undeniably cluttered with quick fixes and superficial solutions, now comes a journey into the heart of real change. I'm talking about Transformed Season 3. It's finally here, and we're inviting you into the lives of individuals that are facing the giants of fear and guilt and grief. But hey, there's a twist. These aren't your typical battles. These battles have been fought with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. You'll witness loneliness and overeating and relational tension met with grace, truth, and love that can only come from the one who knows us the best. This season's not just about watching others. It's about seeing yourself and your struggles and the path to true transformation through biblical counseling. We'll together dive deep into the heart of what it means to be transformed. Transformed Season 3 can be found right now at wretched.org slash transformed3. Who will speak for those who are staggering to the slaughter? Seems like right now would be a good time to encourage you to support Preborn Ministries. They're in it. It's a little complex out there with the internet and ordering pills. They're in the game. They're working hard to save babies and save mommies and daddies with the gospel. So if you are energized about life, that's something you can do. You can support Preborn. They provide free ultrasounds despite the accusations of all pro-life clinics. They are holistic. They do care about the mommy too. And they care for the family and they provide training. And it is literally a way that if you have the means, you can be saving a life. Amazing ministry. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Are you ready to go on an adventure that tackles life's biggest questions head on? Well, we invite you to join John Fabares and Jake Ream on a riveting journey in Road Trip to Truth Season 4. This season, they're hitting the road to explore deep questions about sin, atheism, racism, and the very nature of truth itself. Through candid conversations with university students and wisdom from experts, this season delivers some unwavering answers from a biblical perspective. Whether it's understanding the reality of heaven and hell, navigating the complexities of marriage, or uncovering the truths about money and forgiveness, Road Trip to Truth Season 4 will be your guide. It's perfect for youth groups, families, or anyone who seeks to defend their faith with confidence. Road Trip to Truth has been more than a series. It's a tool for sparking meaningful discussions and inspiring a commitment to the gospel. So if you're ready to head out on a road trip, buckle up for the truth. Road Trip to Truth Season 4, available now at wretched.org slash 4. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Advocate. When we as God's redeemed people sin, Jesus is our Advocate before the Father. It is on the basis of Christ's righteousness that we are saved, not our own works. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah? Please remind me when the program is concluded to pick bugs off of you. <laughs> really great. This is Wretched. Oh, I'm sorry. What I meant to say is... <laughs> you see, you and I were nothing but apes. This is one of those stories. Again, we're just seeing these over and over again. There's a concerted effort by, air quotes, 
scientists to lower human beings. Charles Darwin would go, I think you're having man descend too far. As if we somehow are equivalents to monkeys? That has been an ongoing push. They want you to think you're no different than a sea slug. And this is another example from CNN, who you can rely on to find stories like this. Quote, apes recognize friends they haven't seen for decades. New research finds. Oh, tell me about the research from an assistant professor at Johns Hopkins University. He studies animal cognition, and it was inspired by his experience working with apes and sensing they recognized him even years after their last interaction. So how do you go about proving that monkeys have the exact same attributes as people? Well, here it is. The team selected individuals whom the participating apes hadn't seen for between like two years to 26 years, and they put pictures in front of the monkeys. Researchers left two photographs, one of the ape they had known and another of a stranger accessible to the apes and used a non-invasive, better be non-invasive, you better not hurt those monkeys in an effort to prove they're just like us. They used a non-invasive eye-tracking device to measure where they looked and for how long. Oh, they spent more time looking at the pictures of people they knew. See, that's why they're humans. You say, Friel, that's a bridge too far. I'll just quote to you from the researcher from Johns Hopkins. It's a very familiar experience for humans, too. What do humans have to do with this? That's what all of this research is about. To show that we're just no different. Our culture, it is suffering, and I mean it is languishing in virtually every arena because of a low view of man. We have an anthropology issue, and it is Christianity that is loud and clear. Come on, it's obvious, isn't it? We're like monkeys. Look, Jimmy might have bugs, but I'm not going to pick him off. <laughs> you know what? We're going we're gonna to recommend that Jimmy goes to the CVS or the Walgreens, which were not built by monkeys, with medical research, which was not done by a chimpanzee, in order to get some sort of shampoo to get those pesky bugs off of him. Because <laughs> okay. we're not monkeys. The results show that social memory is more broad is a more broadly ape trait that we share with them rather than something that evolves separately in Humans, quote, we are monkeys. See, Johns Hopkins research said so. The idea, this is a quote, that they do remember others and therefore may miss these individuals is a really powerful cognitive mechanism and something that's been thought of as uniquely human. That's what all of this research is about. What a world, what a world. Let's turn our attention without sending in financial support to NPR. Shall we? A full-throated endorsement of polyamory. What else would we expect from publicly funded TV? There's a new TV show called Couple to Thruple. You can figure out it's about polyamory. And the headline from NPR says... This dating show has plenty of good sex and mess. It is a positive review of this disgusting TV show. Disgusting. This, okay, 
This is where we're acting like monkeys. This is where like we're acting like feral dogs in heat, no less. Listen to this review. Boy, if I didn't know better, I'd say that she was affirming it. The setup is this. Four couples arrive at a resort. A bunch of single people also show up. Each couple is interested in potentially exploring a thruple, which, for the uninitiated, okay, teach me what, what's going on here, is an awkward portman menage a trois for an ongoing relationship among three people. Yeah, we got that. We, uh, we outlawed that a long time ago. Unless, of course, you're living in Utah. We, the rest of us, said bad. Now, listen to what she's emphatic about. This is, this is, if she were a preacher, she'd be banging the pulpit. I want to make clear. Okay, tell us. I want to make clear there's nothing inherently salacious about polyamory. Oh, sorry for thinking maybe there was and for agreeing with, you know, 2,000 years of Western history. Sorry. I thought it was salacious, but if you say it's not, then I guess it's good. There are plenty of people who make it work. So when I say the show is joyfully trashy, that's because of the show, not the relationship structure. Polyamory, it's a good institution. This this show happens to be trashy, but it's not because of polyamory. It's because it's just trashy, like a couple's show. Oh, cool. There's also nothing particularly new about the thruple life if you happen to know people who do it or have tried it, which an increasing number of us do. I don't know if she's putting herself in the collective or not, but she's clearly affirming it. This is a, this is a new mess, a different mess. Mess that makes you go, oh, yikes, that's tricky. In fact, she almost makes it sound better because you have to communicate a lot more to make sure that nobody's getting hurt or that nobody's feelings are being squashed or somebody isn't being too flirtatious. So you see, being a throuple, it's almost better than just being a couple. If you have not yet sensed that the world is pushing hard for the deconstruction of marriage in every single regard, get ready. And by the way, we ain't done yet. There are still other marital configurations that can blaspheme God's institution, and that would be really bad. Wyoming bill could take trans kids from parents, and you go, oh, that means it's a bad bill. It means, I guess, if the schools discover that your kid is confused about their gender, they're going to take them away from the parents. Nope, not in Wyoming. Apparently, Bill 156 would declare gender-affirming care is not in the best interest of transgender youth within the state. Well, that's, that's putting it modestly. Mutilating their bodies. Castrating boys. Giving double mastectomies to little girls. Yeah, I, I guess that's not in their best interest. Nevertheless, they want to put an end to it. So why are the LGBTQ folks upset that they could be taken away from their parents? Because if there's some sort of dispute over the child, a marital dispute regarding guardianship, custody battles, because the state is determining, what do they call it? Uh, 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 gender, gen, gender care, gender affirming care isn't. The parent who doesn't want their kid to get mutilated could actually get the child as opposed to the parent who affirms the child. Look at what a travesty. 
That would be, in the meantime, if you're driving down I-55, you might notice some billboards. Shout your abortion. Cool. The signs say, God's plan includes abortion. Guess when we get to get righteously indignant? You got a twofer right here. Number one, because children are being slaughtered. That's, That's reason for genuine righteous indignation. But second, when you put God's name to affirm something that is wicked, oh, that's when Jesus got upset. That's when Jesus went, his meek and mild nature, it was power always under control, but he exhibited that power when the Father was being blasphemed, when his temple was being mocked and turned into a house of merchandise. That's when he used his power. And there are times when we should too, and we need to be proclaiming, I almost think louder than ever, I'm telling you, this life issue, it is, whew, get ready for the, for the fall election. You're, you're going to see that abortion, it is absolutely on the ballot. And it is going to be, I, I think, a blue tidal wave. I'm sorry, I'm not a political prognosticator. And I don't, please go vote, please. Please make sure you vote for the at least as pro-life or as least pro-choice candidate option that we actually have. Please, please do that. But I got to tell you, single women who want their abortions, they're going to be out in force. We gotta be, we've got to be letting the world know what that is. It is the intentional taking of a whole innocent human being. I think four or 5,000 people downloaded our Life is Best series to help us do just that. And as long as I brought up the subject of life, preborn network clinics, please support them. They're saving babies every single day. We'd like to save 7,000 babies this year with wretched people alone. 7,000, imagine that. We've done it in past years. How's about this year? $28 in ultrasound, 80% of the time, it saves a baby's life. And mommy hears the gospel. And daddy, if he shows up, here's the gospel. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, in Ireland, abortions have reached record levels with over 10,000 estimated in 2023 alone. That's a nearly threefold increase since legalization in 2018. A spokesperson called it an epidemic of loss, which I would agree with, with thousands of women betrayed by the overpromotion of abortion. Seems like Ireland has just traded one tragedy for an even greater one. Well, in Quebec, a Christian organization is suing the government after being denied access to a convention center over their pro-life views. The group had signed a contract to hold an event, but got abruptly banned for supposed anti-abortion themes. It's funny how the inclusion and tolerance propaganda goes right out the window when certain beliefs get involved. In the state of California, an elementary school principal has been placed on leave for using finger guns. That's right finger guns to pretend to shoot students during an unauthorized active shooter drill. The principal apparently traumatized kids as young as four, even announcing seven were killed over the intercom afterward. 
You know, maybe there's more to this story than I'm missing, but I'm not real certain how this actually traumatizes anyone. I mean, come on, you remember when we were kids, we did tornado drills and earthquake drills and stop, drop and roll fire drills, all that stuff that never really happened. Well, I mean, for some people it did. For me, it never really happened, but they drilled the mess out of us and we were prepared. Shouldn't we want our schools drilling for this type of thing too? And traumatizing kids because you shot them with a finger gun? That's generally how kids play cowboys and Indians, but I don't know, that's just me. We are certainly living in a much different world than when I was a child. And more from you really can't make this stuff up. San Francisco has decided to appoint a non-citizen immigrant rights advocate to oversee city elections. Understand what I just said. Apparently, removing citizenship requirements for roles that oversee voting is progress. I'm really not so sure how trusting someone that is not even eligible to cast a ballot themselves to tell us how to cast our ballots. I'm not sure that's going to work out too great. We'll see, though. And the state of Idaho has passed a bill that would allow the death penalty for child sex offenders in certain cases. Some call it unconstitutional, and the key sponsor of the bill says, nope, there's constitutional, and then there's constitutional, depending on whatever court that you decide you want to walk into. But protecting innocent kids is a worthy fight either way. Amen to that. And that's been a Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Revelation. How can anyone know God unless he reveals himself? If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God, and we can be brought into right standing with Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Told you so. Even Breakpoint agrees. This is Wretched Radio. Headline from Breakpoint.org. Why abortion is the priority issue for the political left. It certainly is. But the question is why there are a number of reasons, not the least of which would be promiscuity. The desire to do the procreative act without the obvious procreative consequences. That's a biggie, but Breakpoint rightly points out it is because of the zeitgeist. The predominant mindset of our current culture in the 21st century is all about me. Forget heliocentric, it's me-centrism. Everything revolves around me. It is about my desires. Make no mistake, writes Breakpoint. That's my Chuck Colson impersonation. Make no mistake, abortion is central, not only to a progressive political agenda, but to the vision of freedom and selfhood. This agenda has enshrined in American law and culture. Well, we, we are the society, and I'm not saying it's entirely wrong, but we are the society that cultivates self, individual liberties, which we love. Don't get me wrong. but concepts have consequences and it is and it has been fertilized into ain't nobody ever going to tell you how you should live there's a massive difference between american culture and japanese culture what comes first in japan even in their names the family name why because it's about family it is about a collective in america it is about self my name first family name second 
That's just one manifestation of a different mindset, which means the individual is promoted in the West. In the East, it is far more about family. It is far more about religion. It is far more about history than we are. And again, believe me, I love our liberties. I love our freedoms. But it simply helps the progressive worldview to make progress because it tells people you can't have anybody breathing down your back. Don't you dare let anybody rain on your parade, including having sex. Nobody gets to tell you you can't do that. And that is why they're so motivated about abortion. And it is going to be seen so clearly, in my opinion, in the 2024 presidential elections. Back to Brickpoint. Abortion is central to a progressive political agenda. The vision of freedom and selfhood. That we, that we, we love freedom. That's not Breakpoint nor my point. The, the point is, individualism has gotten out of control. In so many ways, abortion symbolizes the worldview in which autonomy and self-expression are the highest possible values. It's the logical endpoint of the pursuit of freedom from constraints, devoid of any notion of freedom for a created purpose. So in other words, abortion, it's, it's, it's about the core of who I am. My body, my right, my decision. And so it's even people who perhaps are married and, and, and they, they have no intention of ever getting an abortion. They still are attracted to the idea because it represents individual freedom. And we need to know we don't have unlimited individual freedoms. We have constraints all over the place. If you drove your car today, and you obeyed any of the traffic laws, which I failed to do last week in South Carolina, oh, you know that we've got constraints on us. Abortion, those are shackles. And even married women, they are indicating they're going to be voting for the pro-abort candidate too. By the way, maybe I have this in here someplace. The percentage of women who get abortions that are evangelicals. The number is really quite shocking. I'm pretty certain that I've got it. One national survey in 2015 showed 70% of women who have had abortions identify as Christians. Now, less evangelicals, but that's Christian. 70%. 43% of women who had abortions were attending a Christian church regularly at the time they chose abortion. What are they teaching there? Like, this is a tricky thing. I get this. This is a tricky deal. How do you talk about abortion on the regs when it's not in the text? I think the answer is you need to be mindful of it. Here's a case in point. Saturday night, we had dinner with a couple from church, and they were expressing how the churches that they had been to before never talk about any of these issues like abortion, any of the gender sexualities ever, ever. Never heard anything about it. And it reminds like, okay, um, I don't want to veer from the text. If you're going to exposit scripture, you don't want to import something just to make a point. That, that's, that's, that's not staying within the rules of homiletics. But because I was thinking about it, when I was preaching through the Beatitudes, I was able 
to at least shine the light on it, that the world desires really evil things. We're supposed to be the peacemakers. That's who Christians are. We're the ones. We don't throw gasoline on the flame. We try to extinguish it. We try to be like Jesus, the peacemaker. That is who we are as described by Jesus himself. The world, on the other hand, they're not so interested in peace. They're interested in self. And that means they will express themselves through the desire to terminate the life of their child in the womb of the mother and to mutilate children. So I was able to use it as an example. No, it wasn't the sermon. I didn't turn the Beatitudes into an anti-abortion screed, but I was able to at least bring it up. You got to be mindful of it. These Martin Luther, wild paraphrase here, said, if, if, a, if a minister is not engaging in the issues of the day, he's not being the minister that he should be. We are to be salt. I'm not talking about political involvement. Yes or no, that's up to you. I'm talking about that we are to be in our society those which stem off putrefaction, those that shine the light on evil activities like abortion and call it what it is, the intentional taking of an innocent human life. That's just a lot of descriptors to say murder. It's what it is. You snuff out the life of a child. What else are we to call that but murder? And I do believe we would do well to start talking about that more in church because we've got apparently a lot of women sitting in the pews thinking, I guess it's an option. Back to this study, wherever it came from, the abortion numbers among conservative evangelical denominations. Uh-oh. 2018 Pew Research. The largest conservative Presbyterian church, that's the PCA. Oh, 54% of congregants are abortion-affirming? At Presbyterian, the good Presbyterian denomination? Hold on. 39% life-affirming and 7% say, I don't know. Oof. There is a PCA church in New York. There's a pro-abortion politician who goes to that church who's endorsed by Planned Parenthood. How, how, how can that politician go to that church? If they're talking about abortion, he wouldn't, but they don't. So he does. Similarly, within the largest conservative Lutheran denomination, this would be the LCMS, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, 46% support abortion. Hold on. Southern Baptists. You're you're not immune to this. A 2021 report found the majority of Southern Baptists agree that abortion should be legal in at least a few circumstances with only a third saying it should be totally illegal. What is going on? There must be very little talking about this subject matter from the pulpit. And we need to, for two reasons. One, we do need to shine the light on it and say, that's evil. Don't be doing that. That's evil. And we need to be saying, if you've done that evil, if you've committed that atrocity against a human being, an image bearer of God, there's forgiveness for you in Christ. It is, it is one of the big sins of our day, and it is a haunting sin. And if we're not talking about it, to both point out its wickedness and to point out the forgiveness that is available in Jesus Christ, even for that sin, well, then we leave people in the pews confused 
and hurting. A 2018 Public Religion Research Institute report discovered that less than half of white evangelicals, 48%, have heard teaching on abortion from the pulpit. Whoop, there it is. I don't think that it should become the centerpiece of every single sermon. But we got to be talking about these things. And once again, I would point your direction to Preborn because they do talk about it. They fight against it and they offer hope to women who are hurting. They provide for their needs. They preach the gospel to them. They'll take care of them for up to two years after their child is born. And this year, we'd like to see with wretched help, 7,000 babies' lives saved. 28 bucks, an ultrasound. 80% of the time saves the life of a child. Hopefully you will consider, if you happen to have the means, supporting preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. This is Wretched Radio. Might I, first of all, thank you for the hundreds of wretches who supported Masters Academy International last year. And if you are now perhaps intrigued by what they do at Masters Academy International, would encourage you to check them out. Yes, we're doing a Bible distribution program with them, but they're training pastors around the globe. Seminary trained students at the Masters Seminary return to their native land and they get plugged into a Master's Academy International mini-seminary outlet where they teach indigenous pastors how to rightly divide the word of truth. It's brilliant. And these indigenous pastors trained at the Master's Seminary train indigenous pastors. Brilliant. It is a wonderful ministry and you could be supporting a pastor, you could be supporting a seminary overseas and you'll be strengthening the local church. You can do that at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today and thank you for investing in our ministry. I want to ask you if you would go a step further We need more ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partners because we rely on our supporters to produce all of these resources that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus commissioned us at the end of Matthew 28 to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations in every corner of the earth, we are asking if you would join this work by helping us to saturate this culture with the hope of Jesus Christ. We promise faithful stewardship with every single gift. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to take our word for that. You can check behind us by checking out the ECFA. We are ECFA certified. 83% of every dollar given to this ministry goes directly to the work of ministry. You can find out more right now at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Record number of children are attending the Tomorrow Clubs in Africa. You should see the videos. Hundreds of kids run to meet at a Tomorrow Club in Africa. Why? Because Tomorrow Clubs, their weekly kids meeting clubs where the kids, yep, they get some treats, but they get the gospel. They get the Bible. They get Bible memorization. Remember, we used to force our kids to do that, but now that we're oppressors, we don't want to be toxic and make our kids memorize Bible verses when it's about a gazillion times easier than when you get old. And they worship the Lord, they pray together, and they get loved on. Tomorrow clubs, I'm telling you, record-breaking. The images are so encouraging, so cool, and I would encourage you to consider being a Tomorrow Club partner. 
$1 per child per month encourage you to please consider supporting the great ministry tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched Attributes of God You can trust in God Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 tells us that God is immutable He does not change He is faithful to fulfill His promises just as much today as when the Bible was written You can rest assured that His word is still true this is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Is this right? No. Do I understand? Actually, I do. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, last time I checked, you actually love your wife. Is that still the case, sir? It is. Then you're going to actually understand this story. You're going to disagree with what this couple did. But I got to tell you, I get it. The former Dutch prime minister, who was Roman Catholic, died at the age of 93. At the exact same moment, his spouse died, hand-in-hand, courtesy of duo euthanasia. This is a couple that had been married for like 70 years, both struggling health-wise, and they made a decision, and it was affirmed by the Dutch government, you can be offed simultaneously, hand-in-hand, to enter eternity. If the, if that is one, that's my Dutch accent. I don't know how to do a Dutch accent. Freely, you don't know how to do any accent. The government affirmed it, approved it, and they died together, and I get it. I get it. When you're married for a long time to somebody, I'm telling you, you have no idea what a one-flesh union is when you commit and covenant to a one-flesh union. You just don't know what it is. You got to be in it for a while. You got to make babies together. You got to buy houses. You've got to have financial calamities. And all of those things, along with your joint desire to reach Celestial City together, that you become increasingly one flesh. And the thought of being left behind, and I don't mean that in a LaHaye kind of way, but I, I don't want to live without my spouse. I get it. I really do get it. And the only thing that stops me from saying, okay, I guess that makes sense, is God. And and anthropology and understanding who image bearers are. We're made in his image. He's the author of life. He's the determiner of death. He gets to make that decision, not us. And this push for euthanasia is anti-God to the core. But in this instance, in fact, I, I can't get this as much, that an individual who has been living in pain, suffering from a malady, perhaps for decades, would desire to take their life. I get, I get that as best I can. I mean, I, okay, I shut the, the drawer, our junk drawer in the kitchen, on my thumb the other day. You would think, basically, I had just been shot with a cannon. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine decades of that sort of suffering, I, I can't imagine. And I would understand why somebody would want to just be out of misery, but the Bible speaks a different word. The Bible speaks a more transcendent word that life is not ours to create, it's God's, and life is not ours to take. And so we see the Dutch prime minister doing something that uh, the godless, I get it, I get it. But that doesn't make it right. 
euthanasia is wrong, period. No matter what stage, no matter what age, but it is only the Bible that would counter what is a sentiment I think we can mostly relate to. And that is why if we want to see a different world, if we want to experience a different type of society that doesn't do stuff like this, yeah, it helps if the government gets involved and outlaws it. Yeah, but pretty soon, and it won't be long, in America, euthanasia, increasingly, it will be affirmed a la Romans 1. How does that change? Well, how do we get godly politicians in? Well, they got to be godly. They got to be saved. How does that happen? It happens from making disciples, not from discipling. That's a different part of the deal. Making disciples. That's what we're called to do. That is how we can affect change. There was a commentator that I was reading when I was studying for the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, that Jesus was a peacemaker and he was meek, and the meek will inherit the earth. The meek ones, not the not the loud mouths, not the brash, not the excellent debaters, not the one who can trash that liberal student on a campus when he comes to town to speak. No, none of that. The meek. And, and, and I think the descriptor was, it, it, it was Jesus, didn't use the word revolution, but basically, it's what flipped the world upside down. It, it changed everything. It did. Can you think of another event that changed the calendar besides the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Me neither. Because that was world-changing. And if we want the world changed, then we need to act like Jesus. So we have to ask, why did he come? To seek and to save that which is lost. How have we gotten confused about the clarity of that statement? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. He's born God with us to die for sinners. How have we forgotten that? That's what we're called to. And if you want to see society change, then we just need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You just got to go about the business of summoning up the courage to share the gospel. I was reading a review. Apparently, there's another movie that is supposed to get Christians incensed. We got to do something about this. this we can't stand this anymore. And Christians need to fight. And what are the marching orders? Well, um, vote. Get involved in politics. If you choose to get involved in politics, I say good on you. I do believe we should vote. It is a simple opportunity and a privilege to affect small change. But if you want to affect societal change, we need to be preaching the gospel. That is what changes hearts and what ultimately changes societies. I know it's a slow march, but it's not a slow march to regain the institutions. That, by the way, I'm trying to remember who did this film. Uh, it, 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 it smells a lot like NAR, Christian nationalism, dominionism, the theocracy. And it's intended to get us mad to reclaim this culture. Okay, I think we can be righteously indignant about this. And I think we should mourn over the wickedness that we see. And I do believe we should vote. And I do believe if you want to get involved in politics, rock on. But that isn't how Jesus flipped the world upside down. Did not get involved in politics, except to call a leader a fox, calling him out for his sin. And we need to follow that model. It's slow, granted. 
I mean, we, we have a tendency to think Jesus died, rose again, and suddenly the West was better. Well, it wasn't. Christians were persecuted for three centuries. Three centuries. It was nasty business. Then progressively, the salt was sprinkled all over Europe. And that is when society changed, the proclamation of the gospel. Now, I know it got all goofed up with the Roman Catholic Church. I get that. But we saw a slow march based on the gospel. And isn't it funny? I know we have a tendency to look look to government for help in these issues, and, and we should be shouting to them, hey, God has charged you, Allah Romans 13. This is your job. Do it. We, we can and should be doing that. But the deceptiveness of politics, didn't the Jews learn that lesson over and over again in the Old Testament? Instead of relying on God, they relied on what? Military, a good king, a strong leader. Now, those things are blessings and those things are good and those things are fine. But God chastised them for believing those are the things that, uh, that's going to change your world. Those are the things that are going to bring about blessings. They're good. But what truly changes the world is the gospel. That's what we should be focusing on. So I I would challenge you, just like I have to challenge myself, politics, it's interesting. It really is. It's interesting. But how much time am I spending downloading just another agitating story? I'm, I'm already pretty convinced. That liberalism, especially of this Marxist kind, is awful and wicked. I, I don't, I don't, you, you can't make me feel like it's any worse than I think it already is. So why do I keep pouring that battery acid into my guts? I, 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 I need to ask myself the question, how much effort and energy am I expending to act like Jesus? Just consider the Beatitudes again. Do you see anything in there that encourages us to turn our eyes to Washington, D.C., or to Rome, or to Jerusalem, for that matter? Nope. It's all about being poor in spirit, mourning over our sin, about being peacemakers, about being meek and gentle, because that's who we are. And we have joy, supreme happiness in that, because we've been given the kingdom. Our biggest problem has been solved. We have forgiveness of sins. And we get to inherit the earth? Are you kidding me? That's, all, that's, that's everything. And how did Jesus bring that about? And how is he going to consummate that? It is the spreading of the gospel. That's who we're called to be. And it might not be as cathartic, as yelling, debating, fighting watching all the videos where a smart conservative guy crushes a stupid idiot liberal student. They're lost. That's what they are. They're lost. They're not stupid stupid liberal idiots. They're lost people. We're called to be salt and light. We want to see change. Got to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.